two, three, snack time! Cookie! 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 Me love cookie! Oatmeal cookie. It means whole lot to me. Cookie! Chocolate chip cookie means whole lot to me. Hello. Me not want to make this butter cookie feel bad. Kawabunga! This gingerbread cookie, very important too. I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, Cookie Monster made me a little anxious because things are chaotic around him, right? He is not in control. And it points to the fact that, you know, sometimes we have desires and when we see something, we want it, right? If it's something we like, we want it. And we're not always good at controlling how much of it we get. I want us to think about that a little bit today because our desires really are important in our lives and they play a huge part in our lives. Now, the desires we have are given by God, right? We get hungry because it tells our body it's time for food. Our food, our bodies need food to survive. We have thirst because we need water. We have uh, sexual desires because we need to reproduce ourselves. All those things are given by God, but what matters is how do we handle those desires? Do we handle them in a way that pleases God? Do we handle them in a way that is not excess? Do we keep that under control? Or do the desires control us? Now today, I want us to continue in the series that we're calling That You May Know. And we're thinking about, okay, how can we be confident in our relationship with God? How can we know that I'm in the right place with God? And, and to study this, we're looking at the book of 1 John because 1 John really is just about that. John wrote this letter to early Christians to help them feel confident in their relationship with God. Now, he does that by giving them several tests, as we've talked about. And those tests are designed at times to make them look in their lives and, and go, okay, you know what? Things are not exactly the way they should be, so this needs to change. And then at other times, they really do make us feel good. But it's like, this, this describes me. I'm in the right place with God. So this confirms that I'm, I'm confident in this relationship. Now, as we think about our desires they really do have an important impact on how we relate to God because how we handle our desires say something about that relationship, but it can also dictate how that relationship goes because if we feel guilt over how we're handling them, then we may pull away from God. So what does scripture actually say about this and how does this form a test in our relationship with God? Well, we're gonna look at just three verses in the book of 1 John. You know, over the past couple weeks, I've said, hey, listen, you need to listen to all these messages because we have to fit them together. We need to see each one of these tests. The first test was obedience to God. The second one was, well, if we mess up, what happens? And God provides forgiveness. Last week, we talked about love and how that's a sign of God's presence in our lives. But we can't take any one of these tests or maybe a couple of them and use them exclusively. We need to see them all. So it's worthwhile to read through John, to hear all these messages, to get the full picture of what John is saying. And today, we're going to look at just three verses, whereas for the rest of the series, we've jumped around a little bit because John jumps around a little bit. He talks about one test, moves on to another, comes back to the first one, moves to a third one. 
But today, these three verses really lay out one of these tests that in some ways is related to the first test, but I think deserves some special attention. So today, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to begin in verse 15. This is what John says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Now, a couple things about that verse. At the very end, it says the love of the Father is not in him. That's John's test language. When he says things like, are you abiding in God and God in you? Are you in God? Are you, is the love of God in you? All those things say this is one of John's tests. So what is the test? We look back at the first part of the verse. Do you love the world? Now, here's where I think at first glance we might get a little confused because he says, don't love the world. And if we're studying the Bible, if we've you know, sort of been around the Bible for most of our lives, or maybe you're studying it now, you think about, okay, well, the Bible begins, Genesis chapter 1 and 2, with God creating the world. And at the end of God's creation, God said, it is good, right? So how is it at the beginning of the Bible, God creates the world and says it's good, and here near the end of the Bible, John says, don't love the world or the things in the world. Now that doesn't make sense at first first glance, but what we've got to know is this phrase, the world, is used in a couple of different ways by New Testament writers and especially John. Sometimes when they say the world, and the Greek word standing behind this is the word that we get our English word cosmos from, okay? Sometimes when they say the world, they mean all the stuff, like the whole universe, but especially the earth and everything that's here, all that's around us, all the physical things, okay? But sometimes biblical writers especially John, mean the powerful dark forces that are at work in the world against God's plan. Now that's a whole different meaning, right? And I think we see that at work as we read the other two verses we're going to get to, but if you read through 1 John, you definitely see it, that the world often means evil at work in the world to to really stand in the way of God's plans and us being part of God's plan. So it's a very different use of this phrase, the world. So John says, listen, if you're going to be a follower of God, if you're going to follow him by following Jesus, you've got to make a choice. It really can't be sort of, I'm going to hang out in the world and do what the world likes and I'm going to just sort of live the way everybody else is living, and I'm going to follow Jesus. John says you got to make a choice, and there are some really dark things going on in the world. Well, yeah, like we know that, right? It doesn't take long to see that at work in our world. There's some dark forces at work, and we have to choose between them and following God. And how we deal with the desires that are at work in us speaks to how this interplay works. So our choice is God or the world, especially as John uses this phrase, the world. Then he gives us a little bit of insight into what that looks like in verse 16. He says this, For all that is in the world, all the stuff that is dark forces at work, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. 
Now, this verse has bookends, right? And if you read those together, I think you get what John is saying. For all that is in the world, then jump down to the end, is not from the Father, but is from the world. So he's saying, listen, there, there's opposing forces here. There's God and everything that God is trying to accomplish in the world and in humanity. And then there's another force at work here that is against that. And it is not from God. It is not from God at all. So that points to the fact that this is not just creation because God created everything that is. This is something that's standing behind the evil that we see at work. But in the middle of the verse, John describes three things that help us see this evil at work. And he describes them this way. The desire of the flesh, the desire of the eyes, the pride of life. Now, what's he talking about there? Let's take them one by one. The desire of the flesh is first. Now, the word desire in English sometimes can just have a really neutral meaning, like we're going to leave here and some of us are going to be hungry, right? Maybe we'll want a chocolate chip cookie after seeing that video earlier. It's just part of life. We have desires. They're not good or bad. They just are. But in Greek, there's a couple different words, and one is very neutral, I would say it that way, but one is very negative and speaks to spontaneously satisfying desire, sometimes in an evil way. That's the word that's present in this verse. And paired with the flesh, John is pointing to sensual or sexual desires. That's what he's getting after here. And he's saying, listen, those things can corrupt you. It depends on how you handle it. They are present in your life. They're part of life. But are you satisfying them in a way that pleases God or not? What kind of person are you becoming because of these desires? Then he says, the desires of the eyes. Same word, that negative, spontaneous, satisfying desires word of the eyes. This this is Cookie Monster. Okay? We see stuff we like. We're going after it. We don't really rationalize sort of what, what should we should do, what we shouldn't do, how much we should have, how much we should hang back. We just rush in. And we do it spontaneously because we know if we think about it very much, we might not do it. So we better act quickly. And this is taking control of us rather than our, our, our minds, our spirits taking control of those desires. So, the desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, pride of life. Now, in a similar way, the word pride in English can have several different meanings, right? We could take pride in hard work. That's a good thing, right? We could take pride in our family, what our kids are doing, where we're from, all those things. Those are fine. But in Greek, a couple of words. One is that sort of neutral and then there's another word for pride that has negative connotations. That's being used here. We could just as easily translate it arrogance. And I think that might make more sense to us. So, desire of the flesh, desire of the eyes, the arrogance of life. In other words, my pride is not just in what I've done. My pride is not just in my family. My pride is I'm better than other people. I feel better about who I am because I'm a better, I'm superior to these other people out there. That's what that says. It might even be that I have some arrogance because of the sin that I've been involved with. Some people are proud of what they've done, right? Even if it's bad. Even if they know it's wrong. They're sort of accomplished in that. 
And John says, this is all negative. This is all taking control of you rather than you controlling these things. And God did not create that. that that's other forces at work in you. You need to control that. And then John gives us the motivation to take control of that in verse 17. He says, in the world, same thing, this is all those forces at work against God, and the world is passing away along with its desires, same word, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So John says, you know what? You could just pursue all the stuff you want in this life, however much you want. Just let it take control of you. Go the way of all the stuff you, you feel like you'd like to have in life. And you know what you'll have at the end? Nothing. You'll have nothing because all that is going to be gone. When we come to the end of life, that stuff is going to count for absolutely zero because it passes away. And in fact, all these forces that are at work in the world now eventually will be defeated as well because of Jesus. John says, on the other hand, serving God last forever. Serving God is eternal. Pursuing God's purposes has eternal consequences. And so the test that John is laying out for us is, are you pursuing the world and what the world has to offer, or are you pursuing God? And you've got to make the choice. You can't stand in the middle. And we'd sort of like to, right? We'd sort of like to enjoy everything that there is to enjoy in life, but also have one foot in the God camp and please Him too. And John says you've got to choose one or the other. And if you're going to choose God, then God's going to help you overcome all these things that could take you away from Him. He's going to help you keep your desires in control to please Him. And how you use all those things, it's going to be about how you can serve God doing that. So which would you have to end up with your hands empty or end up with your hands full because of God's great blessing of eternal life? It boils down to this, a very simple lesson. Pursue what lasts. And even though the world makes it seem really attractive, all this stuff that we could pursue, all these experiences we could have, in the end, they are empty and John says what really matters is serving God in Jesus Christ. Now, what does that look like in everyday life, right? I mean, we can, name, we can uh, develop a long list of things that are going to disappear. But what really matters? I mean, part of what he's saying is you're going to have those desires. How are you going to deal with them? I mean, you're going to have to eat, right? But you probably shouldn't take your nutritional advice from Cookie Monster. You've got to make some choices along the way. And if you choose the wrong thing, your hands are going to be empty. But in life, if you choose gathering together to worship God, that has eternal consequences. If you choose to share the message of Jesus with the people you love, that can have eternal consequences for them. If you choose to show the love of Christ to the people around you rather than just pursuing what you want in life, that has eternal consequences. We've got to pursue what lasts. And, 
And if we look throughout the book of 1 John, I think we see examples of what really does last. Last week we talked about love. And that's how these tests really bind themselves together. Uh, they, they intermesh because if we're showing love, that's the kind of thing that lasts for eternity. And John's saying, spend your life on that. Because you don't want to come to the end of life and figure out all the stuff that I've spent my whole life pursuing has left me empty. And so here's our test. Are you where you need to be with God? Can you be confident in your relationship with God? And maybe you look and say, you know what? I haven't tried to really make the choice. I've tried to keep my, my feet in both camps, one in each. And I'm going to end up empty. And so I need to change. Or maybe you say today, you know what? I've really, I have tried to be a follower of God and keep all these things under control through the power of God's Spirit. And so you feel confident. Either way, John's saying, well, what matters is that you're really looking inside who you are. And you're thinking about the kind of person that you're becoming. It takes some introspection. It takes some looking inside and really figuring out, what am I pursuing? What kind of person am I becoming? And in the end, what we've got to decide is, pursue what lasts. Let's pray together. God, there are times when we have to confess to you that we've allowed our desires to control us. So God, we pray you'll, you'll help us through your spirit to pursue you, to prayerfully pursue what really matters the most in a humble way so that when life is over, our hands are full because we know we're going to spend eternity with you. And God, we look forward to that. We anticipate that. And God, we pray for that even now. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.